Hey everybody, Legs Malone here. How is everybody doing? I am so happy to be bringing you today's episode. We've taken a little break from posting. We've had a lot going on. Traveling, more traveling, life, life events, you name it. But uh, we have an incredible flow of episodes coming up for you, for your listening enjoyment over the next, gosh, month and a half or so. So get ready for a an abundant flow of episodes. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited about that. Today's episode features the incredible Lux Lacroix, and we will be getting to that in just a second because you're not going to want to miss a minute of it. It was such a great interview. I had so much fun talking with Lux, and I have to say I learned quite a bit. She's a pretty incredible lady, and uh, yeah, she schooled me in all the right ways. (laughs) But before I go on any further, I have some seriously cool news to share, and that is Lunch with Legs has gotten picked up by a radio station. How cool! cool is that? We are going to be broadcasting our show on Radio Free Brooklyn, which is a brand new internet radio station based out of the exotic neighborhood of Bushwick here in Brooklyn. And that station launches on May 14th. You can listen to their test feed now, which is up at RadioFreeBrooklyn.com. And I'm pretty sure our, our first episode is going to be up the first Friday just after the station launches. Uh, we're going to be putting up new episodes every other week, and it's going to be broadcast at lunchtime and probably rebroadcast on and off throughout the week, you know, one or two times for anybody who misses it at their lunch hour. And I have to say big, big, big props to Rob and Tom at Radio Free Brooklyn. They are doing some seriously cool stuff, and they're going to be broadcasting some amazing shows. There's going to be talk content. There's going to be some great DJ and music shows. They're also going to be broadcasting Democracy Now!, which, according to their website, is a daily independent global news hour. And I have to say, it's quite a refreshing alternative to the corporate news media feed that most of us are either force-fed or do our best to dodge and avoid, apart from getting the important news or what we are told is important news. Anyway, enough about (laughs) me and those musings. But do please feel free to go visit RadioFreeBrooklyn.com to hear a little bit about what they're going to be offering once they go live. And I'm just saying, you might recognize a voice that is asking you to donate to their fine efforts. You might recognize it. I'm just saying. So yeah, go check out RadioFreeBrooklyn.com. I am just so, so, so excited for Lunch With Legs to be included on there. And for those of you who are regular listeners, and even if this is your first time tuning in, if you are enjoying what you are hearing, both in today's episode and in any of our past episodes, please, we would love us to, we would love us, yeah, well, we love us already. (laughs) We would love you to consider donating to our podcast, even if it's just $5 or even just an, a dollar a month, whatever is comfortable for you. If it's $10, $25, $50, and even hundo, as you wish, your 
energy and your efforts uh, towards showing us your love are so deeply appreciated by Dave and myself. So thank you, thank you, thank you to everybody who has given, who is planning on giving, and we are just so grateful for you. If it wasn't for you guys, we would be doing this 100% out of pocket, but thanks to everybody who gives, you put a gorgeous dent in our overhead costs. So thank you. All right, everybody, enough with me talking. Let's get to more of me talking. <laughs> Let's get on to our interview with Lux. Lux is an incredible lady. I had the great pleasure of meeting her several years ago, and she was spending some time in New York uh, several weeks ago. She spends quite a bit of time here. She's originally, well, she's originally actually from Brooklyn, but she is primarily based now in Los Angeles. And she came over. We had a gorgeous discussion. I found out more about her than I even knew about. And I'm not going to spoil anything for you, but let's just suffice it to say she knows Kanye. I, I was I, my, that pause was, what exactly do I say? But yeah, she knows Kanye West, and I'm not one to be starstruck. Not that I'm necessarily starstruck by Kanye West, but she's worked with him, and she's got some pretty cool stuff to say about working with him, as well as her other work, which is equally, if not more, incredibly cool. She is a burlesque performer. She is a principal dancer with the Alvin Ailey Dance Company. She's just pretty much a dancing badass. I'm just going to leave it at that. So until I, well, no, until nothing, let's just do this. I've, this is like the fourth time I've recorded this introduction. Let's just do this, people. <laughs> so go ahead, get nice and comfortable, pour yourself a cup of something good, and get ready for the one, the only, the fierce Lux Lacroix. Lux Lacroix. Hi. What a huge <laughs> pleasure to have you on the podcast. Oh. Thank you so much for flying all the way to, from L.A. to come to my house. Yes, just for this. <laughs> just for this. Yes. No other reason. No, like, world-famous dance company. No, you know, headliner burlesque status. No, no, no. It was You're, you're really coming here for this interview. Absolutely. I, uh, I want to thank you for that. You're so welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so you, we are so fortunate to have you right here in New York because... You are here uh, dancing with Alvin Ailey. Yes. How long have you been dancing with Ailey? I have been with them for five years, wow. and I've been a principal for three. Oh, my God. Congratulations. Thank you. Because they Thank are, you. I mean, iconic, yeah. the best. Yeah. Like, yeah. They're, they're kind of a big deal. They're kind of a big deal. I <laughs> couldn't kind of have said deal. it better myself. They're kind of a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, you, we, I mean, we've had lunch before this. We were having a whole range of conversations, mm-hmm. so I'm going to try to sort of bring it in and I want to I want to ask because you're originally from Brooklyn yes um, and you're in LA now and you're a dancer and you're a burlesque performer and you're a choreographer let's just start at the beginning shall okay. we <laughs> sure. actually I was born in Harlem raised in Brooklyn like oh, wow. every good hip hop song in the 80s <laughs> um, I grew up in bed in the 80s when it wasn't cute it was oh. a Spike Lee movie I grew up in the middle of Yusef Hawkins, Howard Beach, all the crazy racial shit that went down in New York in the 80s. Um, and uh, it shaped who I am, you know? Um, yeah. And it's also the reason why I ran from the city when I was 17 across the country to go to college, because I had to get the fuck out of Bed-Stuy. 
um, crack did a number on that neighborhood. Like when my parents first settled in Brooklyn, uh, you know, they wanted to raise me. I come from a mixed couple. They wanted to raise me in a black neighborhood, predominantly black and Puerto Rican, mm-hmm. and uh, which kind of went together in the 80s at that time <laughs> where there were blacks that were Puerto Ricans. Um, and they wanted to raise me in that neighborhood so that I would have the culture because they knew I'd get the white culture in the minute I stepped outside the door. So they wanted me in that neighborhood for a reason, and it was cool up until about mid-80s or so when crack got introduced in the neighborhood, and that just mm-hmm. flipped Everything. How did how in your experience? What did you see? How did it shift? People became zombies. Like it was literally Michael Jackson's thriller, like overnight. Jesus. Um, and you know my parents designed it when it was obvious I was going to be a dancer, and that this it wasn't just you know a little girl in a tutu. Like this was obviously something I wanted to do, and I was made for, and I had the right body type, and I had all the physical things that were going on. So yeah, it could be possible that I could actually make a career out of dance. Once that was discovered, they knew they couldn't leave the neighborhood. They they couldn't leave New York because there was no other place I could get the kind of education that I needed for my career. Mm-hmm. So we just made do. Like somebody always watched me to the to the subway. Somebody always picked me up. Like I just was basically out of the neighborhood. I would sleep and then I would go back to Manhattan. Right. You know. Um, and that's what kept me alive, basically, you know, um, honestly and truly it kept me alive, it kept me not getting pregnant, it kept me like off drugs, you know, it basically, I just lived in the dance studio and, wow. and, um, it was all by my parents' design and they made damn sure that, you know, if this is what you wanted to do, it was never a thing like you have to be a dancer. Like, you know, every time I went to dance class, my mom's like, you sure you want to do this? Mm-hmm. You sure you're still having fun? Mm-hmm. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I want to do this, you know? And I would tell her when I didn't like things. Like, I didn't like gymnastics. I didn't like tap. I like ballet, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and the minute I said I didn't like something, oh, oh, fine, we don't have to go back, you know? Um, but, yeah, you know, once it, once it was realizing that this was happening, it was like, okay, well, this is what we have to do. Um, but, you know, I mean, bed definitely, it formed me, you know? Growing up in that kind of neighborhood... You, yeah, it, it makes who you are. Like, you, you get that bedside do or die attitude, and that's what propels you, you know. Um, you get that hustle. Like, all of yeah. us kids that grew up that made it out of the neighborhood, like, there's a good crew of us, and we still talk, and we're all doing creative shit, and we're all hustling and, you know, just doing what we like. And, you know, one of my best friends growing up is, He's a DJ, and he wrote for Vibe magazine, and he's, he's like, one of the top sneaker connoisseurs of the world, you know what I mean? And, like, this is his life, you know? Totally. Um, I have a couple other people, you know, that came up hip-hop artists and now run labels and things like that. So it's, you know, the kids that made it out during that time, yeah, you know, it makes you you who you are, and it gets you that hustle, and nothing really scares you at that point. It's like, shit, I grew up in Best Side in the 80s. Fuck you. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you can't step to me. <laughs> like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. You know? Um, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. I mean, it's... I mean, the fact that you were living there and then you went to... You didn't go to just any school in New right. York. Right. I went to LaGuardia School yes. of Performing Arts. Yeah. And did you go there the whole time? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 
And what was your focus primarily? Dance? Ballet. It was ballet. It was ballet. Yeah. Straight up ballet. Straight up ballet. Um, yeah, the thing with LaGuardia, they try to prepare you for Broadway, understandably so, you know. So they want you to do all the things. Um, and I almost got kicked out because I refused to go to vocal class because I know what I'm good at. I know my strengths and my weaknesses. I, you know, I tell everybody my shtick is I'm the black girl that doesn't sing. That's what makes me special. <laughs> um, I was not raised in the church. I just, I sing to myself and my cat and it's best that way. Like, I know what I'm good at. Um, and they were like, you have to go to vocal class. I was like, you people don't understand. Like, I'm a 15-year-old girl going, listen, fools. Like, seriously, it's for the best of all humankind <laughs> that I just keep my ass in the ballet class. They're like, nope, you have to go to vocal class. I was in vocal class for five minutes, and the teacher's like, you should just go back to ballet. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> like, Jesus, we wasted a whole motherfucking afternoon when y'all could have just listened to me, and I could still been in dance class. Oh, but, yeah. God. Yeah, um, so yeah, and I always knew, like, if I decided to do Broadway, which I was never interested in Broadway, but if for some reason I ended up on Broadway, it's like, yeah, I'd be dance chorus. I knew what I was going to do, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. (laughs) It's like, if I did Lion King, I would be one of the people in the back dancing, you know what I mean? I wasn't going to be up front. It's fine. Um, but yeah, yeah, LaGuardia, and LaGuardia also prepares you for... I mean, the people that come out of the well, there's very few people that come out of LaGuardia that aren't doing exactly what they were there for, and that's wow. by design. Wow. You know, that's by design. The education you get there absolutely prepares you for an arts career, mm. um, and you know, you know when you come in contact with another LaGuardia person, like it's really obvious. Um, yeah, I've yeah. heard this there because there are a handful of people in the burlesque scene in New York City and outside, I mean, just people I know who all went to LaGuardia mm-hmm. and it is that, like, I yeah. see you. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. I know you work. I know and you that, were trained. Yeah. For those people who don't know about LaGuardia, that's the school that fame was based on, isn't yes. it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my yes. God. And then, yeah. so you escaped... I escaped New York, yes. Escaped New York. I went across the country to, of all places, UC Santa Cruz, because after basically, I, I've been in ballet class since I was two years old. I started took my first ballet class at two years old. So when it wow. came time for college, I knew I had to get the fuck out of bed and I also just wanted to be a student. You know, um, with like books and things, with books and things, and like go to the library and like sit in a classroom, not in a fucking leotard. You know, like I just wanted to be a student, um, and I was really into the environment. I wanted to do environmental studies, and UC Santa Cruz had this amazing environmental studies program. And on the pamphlet, you know, they had all these different colored people, which I found out were like the six people in the entire school. Oh my god. <laughs> I take my happy ass across the country, you know, not really thrilled by my parents. Like, my mom just didn't want me to go that far. My dad wanted me to go to Spelman. I didn't want to go to Spelman. Spelman's a historically black, all-female college. The last thing I want to do was end up in a college in the South with all black women because at that point, like, black women were not fans of me. <laughs> okay. And vice versa. And I just, I didn't want to be Freddie from a different world for four years. You know what I mean? Cause I was the weird mixed kid that loved Jane's addiction and Duran Duran and did her final point essay to a new order song. Like I was not wow. your average bear. You know, I was the mixed kid. 
Um, to the point where my father at one point was like, okay, this is going to work out. I swear it's going to have to work out. Like, it has to work out. <laughs> so he, like, walks in my room with a giant poster of Perry Farrell, just like, okay. <laughs> I just have to trust the kid's going to be okay. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I went across the country to the school out in the middle of the fucking forest and was total fish out of water, had accent, sounded like Rosie Perez, had no patience for nothing. <laughs> like, wow. I'm standing in the middle of the fucking forest. Me and the 70 other black people were like, what the fuck did we do? <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> but I got to study, and once I got all the way over there, I found out my uh, major was impacted, so I had to choose a whole new major. What does is, what is impacted mean? Meaning there's no fucking way you're getting into it, because there's too many people in it. But they don't tell you that until you get over there. Oh, my God. And you pay the tuition. And you pay the tuition, and you're stuck there. And your dad's like, yeah, you should have went to Spelman. Sorry. Okay. Seriously. Um, So. What was that major that was? It was environmental studies. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I got over there and realized what I was in. And luckily, or unluckily, or typical at UC Santa Cruz, you can create your own major, because, mm-hmm. you know, it's UC Santa Cruz. It's like make your own pizza. Exactly. Like and at the time I went there, you, you didn't get grades, you got evaluations. I think they give grades now, but wow. yeah, you didn't get grades, you got evaluations. Hilarious. Anywho. <laughs> um, so, I decided I was going to develop a black studies major, because UC Santa Cruz is the only UC without African American studies department. <clears throat> but! Wow. Total irony of ironies, some of the best black intelligentsia either went there or teaches there. So my thesis advisor was Angela Davis. Holy shit. Like, where the fuck else can you get that? Oh, my God. I studied with Herman Gray and David Anthony. Huey Newton went there. You know, of course, he had passed by the time I got there. But, you know, there's this huge black intelligentsia history at this super-duper white hippie school. Um, But, yeah, it totally worked out. And I got... You know, I, I wrote an incredible thesis with the help of these people and got an education that I designed myself. I got out of it what I, you know, put into it. And I put in a lot because at this point I was like, well, fuck, I'm here. Right. Shit. You know what I mean? Like, I got to do this. I got to do it fast. I graduated early because I had to get the fuck out of there. Um, and, yeah, I was like, okay, well, here's your student experience. How are you liking it now? Well, I'll go to grad school because that was also to deal with the parents the parents were like, we don't care what you do. You're going to college and you're getting a post, you know, undergrad. You're getting some sort of graduate degree. Mm-hmm. You get to choose, but you don't have a choice. Okay. <laughs> like, you know. Pick what it is. <laughs> but so, yeah. So I just went straight through because it's like, okay, I got to do this. Like, I tell everybody that was my corporate job because, like, I did my time and I was out. Yeah. Um. So I... Graduated early from Santa Cruz. I went up to San Francisco because it's the closest city to Santa Cruz, you know? So I was like, I just need to get into a city. I was buying my time because I was supposed to go to Howard to go to law school. Um, get up to San Francisco and realize that A, don't want to go to Howard, and B, don't want to be a lawyer because I was going to be a criminal defense lawyer. Wow. Um, and so I had to call the parents and be like, yeah, so here's what I'm doing. Because I had made sure that I had a plan already set up because I knew I could just be like, yeah, I'm not going to law school. Click, you know. Yeah. Um, I was like, you know, here's the deal. I'm not going to go to law school, 
but I'm going to go get an MFA, Academy of Art. I found this program. I really like it. I'm, I super, like, the crew I fell into when I got up to San Francisco was this, all these skateboarder crews. And I picked up camera for the first time, and I started filming them. And at the time, it was all Big Brother, and it was the Jackass crew, and it was all those guys up there. Wow. So I worked for Thrasher Magazine, and I took photos, no and I filmed shit. all this stuff. And it was just one of those times where I landed at this perfect time. Yeah. So I was like, so this is what I'm doing instead. And my parents were like, whatever, just get a fucking degree. <laughs> <laughs> so I get up in San Francisco and I realize that San Francisco is a horrible place as well. <laughs> and I graduated early with my master's and I was like, and I'm out. <laughs> um, and at the time I was really into documentary film and just like, you know, filming life, you know, whether it was skateboarders or, you know, extreme sports or I got on with like the first warp tour, was filming bands, like it was just all this stuff was happening around San Francisco at the time and I just happened to be there, having to be a cute girl with a camera. I was a novelty, I was small so I could fit different places, you know, I could climb up on things and get shots that nobody else could. So it was it was just like one of those like perfect time things, yeah. you know. So I went down to LA, um, because you know, what are you gonna do if you're doing film? You're gonna go to LA. Uh, <laughs> and so I ended up in LA and uh, was working on my thesis documentary, which I finished, um, you know, so I could finally get that fucking paper and then done without obligation. So I finished that, and then I started working on another documentary on women in punk and hard rock, and I was working on that and wow. finished that one. Um, and then I started my John Michelle Basquiat documentary. And in the middle of all this, Debbie Allen opens her studio in Los Angeles, and she's looking for choreographers. And she gets, you know, the LaGuardia keeps tabs on you wherever you go. It's like the fucking CIA. Like, they shoot a dart <laughs> in you, and they know where you're at. So she called, you know, all the LaGuardia people that were in L.A., and literally the phone call with her, she was like, you know, hi, this is Debbie Allen. And I was like, click. You know? <laughs> or like, you know, Debbie who? Like, you know, this is Debbie Allen. I'm calling you because you're LaGuardia. And I was like, Oh, hi. She's like, so what are you doing right now? Are you dancing? I was like, no, I've taken a break from dancing because I completely stopped dancing, you know, um, to study and to do film. I was like, oh, actually, I'm a filmmaker now. And I was helping my friend run his punk rock record label. Like, I was doing all the things, but none of the things, you yeah. know. I was like, yeah, you know, I'm a documentary filmmaker now, and I just finished my thesis film, and I'm working on one now. And she's like, so you're not doing anything. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was like... Yeah. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe. She's like, so you, you need to come audition for me. I was like, well, I, you know, I really haven't done it. She's like, so you'll be here tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. I was like, oh, fuck you. So I went to Culver City, which at that time, I never left Los Feliz or Silver Lake. Like, literally, there was this hot wire band on, you know, the east side of Western that if I crossed it, it would just like shoot me back over. <laughs> um, so I crossed the Meridian and went into Culver City and did an audition with her and literally just like, you know, freestyled, pull shit out of my ass. Like, cause, you know, I wasn't, I don't even know if like my technique was what, you mm -hmm. know. Um, and she was like, okay, we'll give you a call. I was like, okay, fine. Thanks for wasting my fucking time. You know, like, whatever. Can go back to doing all the things and none of the things, you know? <laughs> I was happy doing all the things and none of the things. Um, and two days later, she called me, and she's like, come work for me. 
And I said, doing what? <laughs> and she said, as a choreographer. I was like, well, I don't really have a record of choreography. Like, I'm a performer. I'm a dancer. She's like, you're going to figure it out. Wow. I said, okay, I guess I'm going to fucking figure it out because Debbie Allen's telling me I'm going to fucking figure it out. Fuck this. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I landed. My first job was A. Marie's One Thing video, um, wow. which was the only song she had, bless her heart. <laughs> um, and it was a fun video, and I got to chore- uh, choreograph Girls and Guys. Um, and then at the time, Debbie was doing all the award shows. Like she was doing the choreography for all the award shows. Now she, you know, does the studio does select ones. Um, but at the time, she was doing them all. Um, so after I did the A Marie thing, next thing I know, I'm choreographing like some bullshit for like the Oscars or some shit like that. And then oh I'm doing God. the Grammys. And then oh I got at the time there were still the Soul Train Awards, and I got the Soul Train Awards thrown in my lap. And then they started the BET Awards, and then that just kind of ended up being my thing. Damn. And then she started ferrying me off to clients, you know, this this client, that client, this client, this client. Um, and within, like, my first two or three years there, I just had amassed this, you know, clientele and this base and this resume. And it was all entirely because of her. You know, I mean, she wow. just sent me people. Like, I never went out, you know, I... I I, I was still I'm still a filmmaker, <laughs> uh, you know. This was the side job. Like I wasn't, you know, really taking it seriously. Um, so yeah, and um, you know, fast forward from there, like five years, she was like, you know, Ailey's looking for a dancer. You should audition. And I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah, let's do an audition. <laughs> um, and then next thing I know, they're like, yeah, we'll bring you on board. Oh my. God. I was like, did they run out of light-skinned people in New York? Like, (laughs) really? Come on. What was it like getting that phone call or I threw up. Did you? (laughs) Did you? (gasps) There's been a couple of phone calls where I've thrown up. I threw up with the Ailey phone call. I threw up with Janet Jackson as well. Oh, my God. And I was driving, and I totally threw up on myself. (laughs) (laughs) Because that was, I mean, like, you know, I was a ballerina, but of course growing up in New York, in the 80s and the 90s, like hip-hop, dance, MTV, like all the videos with the dance videos. Like, you know, I learned how to dance through Janet Jackson and, you know, Paul Abdul and, you know, all those people. Um, and, like, Rosie Perez was my idol. The stuff she did with the Fly Girls was, like, you know, amazing. And um, that was how I, I learned how to, at the time, that was street dance, you know. Um so, yeah, so, yeah, when you get that call, it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> I'm going to vomit. Can I call you back? Thanks. <laughs> I need to take a moment. Wow. I'm going to vomit in my own lap. Okay, cool. <laughs> so, but, yeah, Ailey was another one where it's just like, I okay, thanks. I need Whoa. to go vomit now. <laughs> Damn. So, yeah. That's incredible. But, yeah, it's just, it's been a whirlwind. Um, nothing surprises me now. You know what I mean? It's like, of course, of course I'm doing that. <laughs> like, what the fuck? You what, know? Would, what would you describe an average, say, year in your life as like, with the range of gigs, with the clients, with what you're exposed to, period? An average year is insanity. And honestly, it should kill me. 
No. I think it would kill any normal person. I mean, yeah, you know, I train seven days a week, no matter where I'm at. Jesus Christ. Um, if I'm on a tour, like, I, the past, like, six years, I've been in and out of tours with Kanye. Um, so it's like, if we're out on tour, then we're out on tour. Right. You know, um, if I'm at a burlesque festival, I'm traveling with burlesque, and I'm doing that as well, on top of having to train. If it's award season, I'm getting clients ready for award shows. Um, you know, now BET has just taken over this whole weekend bullshit where they have, like, this whole, like, weekend thing, which is just obnoxious and long and just every one of my clients is involved in it, you know, oh so, God, so you're it just, working around the yeah, clock. yeah, exactly, you know, and everybody's doing different things and then, you know, my basic clients are super duper, like, you know, we know each other, we got it, we got this, but every once in a while you get a new person in there that's just a pain in the ass, you know, or like you hire a new dancer and they're idiots, you know, or it's just like somebody had to drop out because somebody got a, a bigger tour or a tour was canceled. Suddenly you have people you got to work into and it's just, yeah, it, um, it, it can get a little hectic. Um, a I, little, a little, <laughs> <laughs> I luckily got an assistant about, that's how see for four years, four or five years ago. Wow. Um, yeah, my, my other main client was like, we're getting you an assistant. We're going to pay for him. I'm like, awesome. That sounds great. Um, and he's the most brilliant person on the planet. And he makes it doable. Um, because I will want to be everywhere. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, because I still like, I still like doing things. So it's like, I want to see all the shows. And I'm a huge music fan. I'm a huge fan of going to see bands and stuff like that. Like, if ever I'm stuck on these friggin' festival shows, which are just obnoxious. You know, like Governor's Island or... Bonnaroo or some shit like that. I'm always the person who's like, oh, we got a half hour to tech? Okay, cool. I'm going to go see Phoenix. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, you know, um, so I want to do all the things. I want to see all the bands. Um, a lot of times I'm going to see a band before I go to my gig, you know, um, or I'll leave the gig and go catch the last song of somebody, you know. Wow. Um, so, yeah, so he keeps me from being like, no, you can't be two places at the same time, honey. Okay? <laughs> Just like, you know. <laughs> You need to pick one. Um, <laughs> or, oh, oh, you think it's a good idea to fly in one morning and then fly out that later that evening and, and then fly back? Like, no, no, we're not doing this. Um, so, yeah, as we've worked together, he's learned that he can just straight up slap me down, <laughs> which has been really helpful. This is what I And he does. He does. Wow. It's like, no, we're not doing this. Okay. <laughs> this is where you say no. Um, so, yeah, it's, he makes it very doable. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a little hectic and if it's one of those things, like if you stop and think about how all these things happen, you just get paralyzed in fear. So you just don't, <laughs> you just go and you just, yeah, you go just with the do flow. it. Don't stop and think. Yeah. Just yeah. You it. just do it. Wow. You know, I mean, it's, I, let's face it. I'm not going to be doing this forever. Mm -hmm. At some point, somebody's going to pull my card. At some point I'm going to eventually look my age and somebody's going to pull my card. <laughs> and when that happens, you know. I'll be fine with that because I've done basically everything that I've ever wanted to do. Yeah. So, you know, that's cool. At this point, everything is just like bonus. I'm Absolutely. at a bonus round. Oh my God. I mean, just to even, I mean, hear about like, if, I don't know if you've ever been told or asked to like write memoirs. <laughs> like, my joke is always, uh, the name of my book is going to be waiting for the pills to kick in. <laughs> 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 oh, that's hilarious. 
Um, at some point, I'm under so many contracts with people, though, confidentially contracts. People have to die before I can talk. Um, I'm like Ronnie Spector waiting for like, you know I mean? like, <laughs> Or Tina Turner, like, just drop dead. Like, okay, I got stories. Um, but, yeah, um, yeah, at some point, I'll, I'll get everything down. I look forward to reading those memoirs. (laughs) I mean, I just, I can't imagine what it's like. I mean, just from a performing standpoint and even just like from a producing standpoint as well, I mean, events of the magnitude of like a major awards show, say like the Oscars or the Grammys, you know, or BET Awards, whatever major awards shows, I mean... That is a whole other level. I mean, I it's hard for me to watch the Oscars because oh, I, I, hate I get agita. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just thinking about the people in the control room, like, oh yeah. my god, are they getting that shot right? Oh my god, well that went wrong. It's like, you know what? I'm I'm gonna go watch cartoons. Yeah, like, I'm gonna be, and I will read about who wins later. Yeah, is it yeah. the same for you? I mean, it the, just yeah, it's um, I think yeah. Now I kind of like I have one or two clients and. Well, except for like BET honors and stuff like that, usually it's it's kind of, actually no, it hasn't gotten any easier. But <laughs> I had one particular. I was in charge the year um, because Debbie was in New York doing Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, so I was the next in line, and I had the unfortunate <laughs> uh, fortune of being the person who was in charge of everything the year that the whole Chris Brown Rihanna thing went down. <gasps> Oh my and, god! Um, and and MIA was incredibly pregnant and having contractions as she's getting up on stage. Oh my god! That was the year I drank heavily before the show was over. <laughs> I was just like, okay, you can't cry. You right. know, you can't cry. Nobody told me that two of my main performers, a one got the shit beat out of her, and b the other one was on the lamb. Like nobody told me this. I had left early from the party that everything went down the night before because I had to be at the freaking Grammys all night, you know, the next. So I left early. I had no idea anything went down. I roll in, totally casual, thinking everything's peachy keen. <laughs> Another performer was just like, dude, did you hear about Chris and Rihanna? I'm like, what, 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 uh, you know, and then oh like spin God. around and then there's the crew like... <gasps> So we have we have situations. Oh like, my fucking god! What you know what I mean? I don't. And these are two performers that I love dearly and that I've worked with. And I want to know what's wrong with my what happened to my friends. You know what I mean? With of both course, of them. Of um, and um, but I can't think about this right now. You know? And they're like, well, we're gonna bring in this person. We're gonna bring in this person. So do you think you can do some choreography for them? I'm like, I ain't doing shit, motherfucker. Like I'm just trying not to cry. Okay. Like, you know, they're like, well, we're going to bring in Justin Timberlake. Can you run something with him? I'm like, Justin Timberlake can do whatever the fuck he wants to. Like, nobody's going to, ah, nobody's going to be counting steps on this shit. You know what I mean? Like, let's just get through this. Um, And just shit's going wrong left and right. And like, oh you know, and I'm just in there like, and, and I'm it, you know, because Debbie's in New York and I can't even call her and tell her what's going on because, you know, then she's going to stress me out. And I'm just, I'm just trying to keep my shit together and trying not to cry and trying not to have a heart attack. And, um, (laughs) we're about to go, I guess, yeah, I can say this is all public record. Um, MIA is about to do a swagger like us. Well, it turned into swagger like us because of the TI song. 
uh, there's the police were waiting to take T.I. to jail because he had time to perform this one song oh, and then they had to collect him. Oh, uh, Maya's having contractions as we're about to all go out on stage. Oh, um, and I'm just like, you know, she's about to, she's like doing the face. I'm like, what's the face? What's the face? She's like, oh no, I'm fine. I'm like, okay, A, you're not fine because you're huge as a fucking blimp. B, yeah. if you have this fucking kid on national television, I swear to God. <laughs> I swear to God, I will walk out on stage and shove it back up you. And <laughs> not. Because I swear to God, if your water breaks, I guarantee you Kanye's gonna fucking fall on it, and then I'll never hear the end of that shit. Oh my God. And then I got the cops just like, ma'am, we gotta take him into custody. I'm like, no, you do not need to take him into custody. Oh no, you're not taking him into custody. You need to give me five motherfucking minutes, okay? Oh and he's just like, well, I have a warrant. I said, I'm like, I don't give a fuck about your warrant. This is showbiz, bitch. You're on my terms. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Jesus Christ. I feel like I need a drink <laughs> listening to this. I was like, you will take me before you take him before he finishes the song. I swear to God, you can, he's gonna exit the stage that way. Just meet him. Okay? Like, just, just meet him. The minute he's off camera, just take him. Just do what you need to do. Just give me these five minutes. Oh my five god. motherfucking minutes. Oh my god. It was, yeah, it was a hot fucking mess. Like, by the end of the show, I, I just remember at one point sitting down in the corner and just like, I'm not going to move. <laughs> like, literally my friend had to come just like, okay, we need to go home now. It's like, oh, so I have to get up off the floor because I really just can't. Oh my Can't god. Can't move. Cannot move. Jesus Christ. And then, you know, Monday morning, you gotta figure out what the fuck happened. And then it's all that stuff that happened, and, you know. And dealing with fallout. Yeah. Or... Dealing with fallout, and dealing out with people's careers, and, you know, privacy, and which was totally violated on that. And, um, you know, media outlets just wanting to know way more than they have the right to know. Um, and you know, cause that's the belly of the beast with that stuff. It's, it's obnoxious. It's obnoxious. It's and absolutely I, obnoxious. Yeah. That level of, um, intense, uh, what's the word? Not necessarily investigation, but surveillance yeah. and like asking, well, yeah, putting their noses where yeah, it, it just, it has no, and it just kills me because people, people form opinions about human beings off of that shit. Yeah. And it just kills me. It kills me. Like, every time I hear somebody who's like, you know, oh, you work with Kanye West, he's a douchebag. Like, no, he's not a douchebag. He's a human being that has cameras shoved up his nose from the minute he walks out the door to the minute he goes to sleep. I think he'd be a little annoyed, too. You know what I mean? And I think you would get on the defensive and you would do things to keep yourself sane. All of his antics is to keep himself sane. Mm -hmm. He has control over that situation. There's very little in his life that he has control over Mm -hmm. because of the society, the celebrity-driven society that we have. So when he acts an ass, quote-unquote, he has control over that situation. That's him trying to get control over it. Yeah. You know? Um, Which, I'd do it. Totally. You know? I I never thought I'd feel sympathetic for Kanye. (laughs) I was was thinking about this the other day because I have um, a friend of mine on Facebook. I mean, we went to, like, middle school together, and I don't – I mean, I haven't seen her in years, but we found each other on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And um, she engages in a lot of these, like, dramatic things. So 
for instance, like Amber Rose and Kanye started going at each other right. on Twitter, and she was like, "Man, fuck that Amber Rose! Like, I'm all for Team Kim and Kanye." And I was like, "Do you know these people? No. Like, do you have nobody any knows these people? Like, why are you even spending like two seconds thinking about this when like you have a life to take care of? Thank like, you. Why even worry about Team X or Team Y? Like, it's like these people pay my bills and I don't give a fuck. You know what I mean? Like, you know, what I mean? it just it drives me crazy how people just get so tied up in other people's lives oh yeah especially i mean especially with showbiz i find i a public face or somebody who has worked so hard to attain the fame and the recognition for their work and then they become a target and and not just a target for attacks but people project so much stuff onto them yeah to then you know gratify or fill some sort of hole within themselves that has nothing to do with that person at all and, I mean, it takes, for the people who stay in the industry for a long time, they must have skin made of oh, fucking, you I, know, Teflon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just, oh it's, my God, it's, it's a whole insane. other beast. Well, I mean, fucking Tina Turner didn't live in the goddamn country anymore. And there's probably an excellent there's, reason for there's that. There's a damn good reason for that. Yeah. You know? Um. Yeah. Yeah. It just, I mean, it's obnoxious. It's truly obnoxious. And I get it all the time. You're just like, oh, that person's an asshole. Is that person, an asshole? Is that person gay? It's like, it's not your motherfucking business. Like, you know what I mean? Do you know these people? Yeah. Like, you know, like, I kind you know, I know these people as much as you know somebody working in a business relationship. Yeah. And I don't give a fuck. <laughs> so you nor know? should you. So nor should you. Like, these people are paying my bills and putting shoes on my feet and I don't care. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's. It is. It, it's. It's so. It's such a privileged view to be hearing about this too, because you know there's so few people that get to work at that level. But at the end of the day, you know they're human beings too. Yeah. As, exactly as you're saying. Yeah. I mean, I worked in fashion for a while years ago, and working with you know some of the top supermodels on fashion shoots, and being like, oh my god, you're just a human being yeah. who looks a certain way. Like you were genetically given this body, and totally. which allows you to do this line of work and. At the end of the day, we got to get this shoot done. We got to get this spread done, and exactly done. It's and your it's job. It's like all of the like glamour, whatever, right, you know, right out the window. It's totally. Like, oh, okay. Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's just it's so obnoxious in LA, especially. You know, I mean, because like you know, growing up in New York, I mean, I wrote the subway with Matt Dillon. You know what I mean? Like it just it's so people just live their lives, but in yeah. LA, it's just such the machine and everybody buys into it. Even people who think they're cool and they don't, they totally buy into it. And it's, it's really disgusting. And it's part of the reason, and that's also part of the reason why, uh, you know, that and just hating LA in general, that I started doing the bi-coastal thing. It's just like, I had, it's like, I, I need, I need balance. I need to be in New York for my art brain. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because that's not there in LA. Um, I need to be where people are just weird and doing their thing and it's not so that they can get on a TV show or a reality show. You know what I mean? Like, they're just them. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I need that balance. Yeah. Um, and it helps. It helps a lot. I'm sure. It helps I'm a lot. sure LA is, my brother lives there. I mean, I've been there a handful of times and I always treat it like a safari. Yeah. There's like, I go there, it's like, okay, let's see how they live. It's the thing that keeps me sane. Yeah. It's about five years ago, I moved downtown in the arts district and that's where the weird people are. 
and uh, in the arts district, not necessarily downtown, because downtown is a lot. It's it's a lot of college students. It's a lot of escapees from Silver Lake. You know, it's just it's this hodgepodge. But in the arts district, it's a little bit further out of the core, and it's where the the weirdos are. It's where the artists are. Like my entire building, or everybody's some sort of artist, whether it's photographer, painter, you know, that kind of thing. It's this That's total awesome. little oasis that we found, and we're so protective. <laughs> oh my God, we are like the worst. Like every city council meeting, we're like, what? Okay, <laughs> like you're gonna do what? Um, yeah, we're just we're so obnoxious about it. Um, but you got to do that in LA because your... next thing you know, here comes the strollers. If you don't like, you know what I mean? It's insane. Um, so yeah so luckily I found like my little tribe that keeps me sane but it's like I always say you know I'm happy when I'm in my bubble but I have to leave my bubble yeah and that's when it's like mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? when I have to leave the bubble because you you yeah. travel a lot I mean between burlesque performances which we yeah. haven't even touched on yeah um, but then even touring with Ailey and then touring you know musically with yeah. your clients with all the yeah. different artists I mean how I mean, how many weeks out of the year would you say, on average, your or months, whatever? Last year, I was probably, if you look at it month wise, I was probably in LA maybe a total of maybe three or four months. Holy shit! Yeah, and That's that wasn't enormous. just you know consecutive. You know what I mean? Because I'm, I'm in and out all the time. That is all the time. A wild schedule. Yeah, yeah. It's um yeah. So it's either, you know, I mean, ideally is I'm, I'm out for a chunk of time, but nine times out of ten, it's like, okay, well, you're in Miami for this weekend, then you come back, and then you're going to be down in Austin, and then you're going to be, you know, in New York for a couple of days, and you're, you know, so it's a, it's a lot of bouncing around. Damn. Yeah. How do you, how do you balance that? I mean, how do you give back to yourself? Um, honestly, my training keeps me sane. Like, and by training, you mean like going to the gym? Uh, dance training, dance going training. to the gym, um, yoga. Soul cycle, I've totally drank this Kool Aid. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, my exercise keeps me sane. And it's, and that's something I've always had, you know. Um, living where winter is a thing, you get the whole seasonal depression thing. And I figured out, you know, my dad was always prone to depression. And I figured out at an early age that as long as I kept moving, I'd be okay. Mm. Um, so that has been the one thing that has been consistent my entire life is like as long as no matter how sad or as down I feel, as long as I either get to the gym or get to a dance class or even dance around my apartment or my loft, I'll be okay. Yeah. So that's that's the one thing that's kept me you know, cool. And then I've picked up other tricks in, along the way. Like, I've really gotten into kundalini yoga that's kind of, like, you know, centered me, my woo-woo on and everything. And, like, that's helped a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a regular m- morning meditation practice. Oh, that's no matter if I'm doing it at 2 a.m. or, you know, like, I have to sit for 45 minutes. It, it Done. You know, don't fuck with me. I don't want to hear about it. If you text me during that time, I'll get back to you. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, that it's required. You know, that's my requirement. So however early my morning is going to start, I know I have to block off at least 45 minutes before that to make it happen. I am in awe of that discipline because that's when I'm like, oh, yeah, I'd love to meditate. And then my alarm goes off and I'm like, well, (laughs) I'm so comfortable. I just meditate while not shifting my position at all. Yeah, it's one of those things like I figured out, okay, this keeps you from killing people, so do it. (laughs) <laughs> kind of like eating, you know what I mean? Like it, it keeps you sane. Yeah. So do it. It's it's not a bad thing, you know. And you can make time for it, and you'll feel better after you do it. 
Yeah. So is that the advice you would give to people, say like me? Uh, (laughs) Not that I necessarily know, (laughs) but like people who do struggle to maintain a regular physical practice, be it exercise, be it meditation, be it yoga, be it dance, whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I years ago, I'll never forget this. In like an L magazine, I and it was like one of the January issues, you know, like get a new body, get a new you, you know, resolution issues. And this quote has always stuck with me. It's like nobody has ever regretted going to the gym. And it's true. You never get to the gym and be like, oh, God, I wish I never came here. You know what I mean? Like, you may be like, you know, tooth and nail getting there. And it's like, oh, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. But once you're there, you're like, yeah, this was a good thing. Yeah. You know? So that has always stuck with me. It's wow. always stuck with me. It's like no one's ever regretted going to the gym. And it's true. You know, you just have to get your ass there. Totally. I remember seeing you in the gym at BurleyCon. <laughs> yes. Like, I'm, like, waiting online to, like, eat, like, free peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, and I look over the gym, the corridor is, like, you know, all glassed in, and be like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, there's Lux, you know, doing, like, burpees for fun. And I'm going to go get seconds on my almond butter, whatever the fuck I'm eating. <laughs> and then go up to my room and do nothing. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it's inspiring. I mean, I don't know how you have that much energy. I'm jealous. Well, I mean, and the thing, the, the trick with physical movement is the more you do it, the more energy you get. This is what I hear. <laughs> These are the rumors. <laughs> this is what I've read. Apparently. But it's true. It's true. You know, people always just like, when do you sleep? When, when, it's like, I, I, sleeping's not on my schedule. You know what I mean? Like, I'll, I'll eventually go down at some point. I'm a big fan of naps. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, you know, like I, that's not an issue. And I actually read something the other day that happier, happy people don't need as much sleep. Huh. It's like, that kind of makes sense. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, you know, um, but yeah, it just, it, again, you just, you don't think about it. You just do it. You just do it. You know? Totally. I'm very lucky. I'm very grateful. I'm very fortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, and why would I want to fuck that up? You know what I mean? Like, I don't have to go to an office every day. I learned real fast that I cannot sit at a desk. Me sitting at a desk equals me falling asleep in the chair. Like, I like literally, me and desk chairs were great. Like, I love napping in desk chairs. (laughs) Like, if I have to sit through, like, a meeting, like, if we're doing a shoot or something like that, I have to sit, like, nine times out of ten, my ass would be knocked out in the chair like a cat, just, like, curled up. Oh, my God. Um, I've fallen asleep in many a desk chair. I am not, I, I just, I'm not the person to sit at a desk. Um, I don't like children, so teaching's not a good thing. <laughs> um, you know, so I'm kind of limited as to what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm very lucky that, you know, I get to do what I love doing and God, that my body has, you know, hung in there with very little issues. Um, considering what I put it through every day. Yeah. So, you know, I, yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, why wouldn't I want to keep this train going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Now, parlaying into your burlesque career, which Mm -hmm. is primarily how I know you. Yeah. Um, how did you happen into burlesque in LA? And was that where you found burlesque? Uh, yes, that was. Um, I took a class. Hey. Um, and I'll go ahead and say it. I took a class from Bella Bretta, who, you know, um, at the time, to her credit, I'm not going to say anything else, negative or positive, but to her credit, she 
brought back Neo Burlesque to Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. It's because of her that we have, now it's called the Monday Night Tees. It Mm -hmm. used to be, you know, Monday Night the Derby, and then went to Tees at Threes. That was her, you know? Um, All of us that came out of that area, we all met because of her. I know Lily Von Stuck because of Bella Beretta. My best friend in the entire world, Ruby White, also known as Chandra Carp in real life, I met through Bella, you know, so we all took her class and we started performing at the Derby and, you know, it was a pay to play situation, but we did it. Um, and I, yeah, I took her class and we had a graduation show I did my graduation performance and it kind of, you know, just one of those weird synchronicity things right when I got hired with Debbie, um, I discovered burlesque oh. and the thing that I mean, I don't know if it's a science or whatever, but I know like the best choreographers that I know. I mean, let's face it: when you're a choreographer, you still want to perform. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's always that thing. Um, there are very few choreographers who are just like, I only want to choreograph. There's a couple, but it's it's very you know, especially if you still got your body and you got your face, like you still want to perform. You mm-hmm. know, um, so and you're not dealing with like kids and whatever. So you know, if if you're if you're still able to perform, you still want to perform mm-hmm. and you choreograph. Mm-hmm. So when I was looking at basically like you know, I kind of saw the signs like, okay, I'm I'm going into this career of choreography. How, how am I going to perform? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because the choreographers who don't have an outlet to perform are the ones that are always inserting themselves in their clients' jobs. Ah. And it becomes an issue. Yeah, I was gonna say, that sounds problematic. And those are the ones that end up with, you know, to talk mess the reality shows and, <laughs> you know, the tours, quote unquote, and, you know, the guest host on So You Think You Can Dance. Yeah, they're just all looking for a place to perform. Um, so I didn't want to be that person, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, I cuss way too much to be on reality TV. <laughs> I, I just, I think it's insipid and you know, that's just not the way I wanted to go. So I saw this as a way, burlesque as a way for me to get my performance Jones on, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. while I was working in choreography as well. Um, so yeah, it just kind of all worked out and it kind of worked at, at the time at the Derby, Bella needed help with the shows. I'll just leave it there. And, uh, and we all kind of stepped in and, you know, we, me and Ruby White produced the T's at threes when it moved over to threes to begin with. We did all the booking for it. Um, you know, we were her secondhand women at the Derby and a lot of nights we ran the show. Um, I started performing with her regularly and because I was a dancer, I Took to it pretty fast. Mm-hmm. But I had some issues with my performances. My first performances, I performed as a dancer, and which is a completely different way of performing versus a burlesque performer. Right. I was in the glass case of emotion. You know what I mean? Like, like it's a good way of putting you it. know, like, because when you're a dancer, like, you don't have to interact with the audience. Please, your audience is there to appreciate you. Like, I don't got to do shit. I just got to stand on my chippy toes. Fuck you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Whereas with burlesque, if you go out at an audience that way, they couldn't care less. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? You're going to fall flat Mm -hmm. and you're in the glass case of emotion. Mm -hmm. So I had to learn. It's like, oh, this is different. This is a little bit of acting that I have to pull into, which is another thing I don't do. Um, So I had to learn how to be a lot more animated, which is why my mouth is open all the time because that's how animation translates to my body. Um, and, um, And I had to go and let with the facial expressions and let those happen, you know. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. uh, which are, don't make the prettiest pictures, but alas, I figured that out. Mm-hmm. And um, and I had to actually like stop at some point, stop moving, which I still haven't totally grasped that concept after oh, eight yes, years. Yield stillness. <laughs> yes, 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 of course. It's like, why are all my pictures blurry? Because you never slow the fuck down. Like, you know, or I'm like mid-look, just like, oh, horrible mid-looks. Um, you know, so yeah, so I had I, I had a bit of a learning curve. Um, but from the outside, it was like, oh, she actually dances. That was the first, that was what I heard, like a good first four or five years of me doing burlesque. Like, wow, you're an actual dancer. Like, that's weird. And I was like, wait, are, well, it's burlesque dancing. I thought right. that was required, <laughs> but apparently not, you know, but that's cool. Like they got the strip and strut do it, you know? Um, so yeah, I just, you know, I happened to come on the scene at a time where I was one of the, I was one of the few African-Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, I was one of the few newer African-Americans because, mm-hmm. you know, you had Harlem Shake and you had a lot of and Simone doing their thing and, you know, Desiree and everything. I kind of fell in that little hole where, I mean, my first exotic world, you know, I was the chocolate drop. <laughs> you know, like, what year was that? Um, 2006. So were they in Vegas yet? They just moved downtown. That was their first year That was year the first year downtown. And um, I love telling this story, but, um, you know, I'm backstage staying next to a Modesty Blaze. It was just like, why am I even here? <laughs> and that's when me and Nasty Canasta, like, bonded. I don't even know if Nasty knows this when I bonded with her. But, like, you know, here's a Modesty, like, sticking her horsetail in her ass and still looking gorgeous. <laughs> and I look over, you know, I'm pinning on my fucking bananas, feeling like a jackass because I come up <laughs> to this bitch's tit, you know. And I look over to Nasty, and she's putting on her eight, you know, pasties, and she's just, and she's looking at me like, we in the wrong place, girl. I was like, yep. Um, but Dixie had just had some issues. I don't know if it was a stroke or something, but they literally rolled her out and propped her up and just, like, letting her rest. And she's, you know, taking it all in. Mm-hmm. And I'm standing there in front of her because it was the only place to stand, pinning out my bananas. And she goes... I know what you're going to do. You're going to be the colored girl. Wow. (laughs) And I look around. I was like, yeah, I am the colored girl. (laughs) That's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to be the colored girl. You know, I mean, it didn't offend me because let's face it. I've, I've, you know, I, my mom's white. I've dealt with old white people all my life, but I, you know what I mean? And I knew where it was coming from and I knew it wasn't from, you know, any kind of malcontent or anything like that. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was so, she didn't know how, how on it she was, but Mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, I was the colored girl. And, um, yeah, I was the colored girl who danced and I was light skinned. So, you know, I was, I was easily, you know, packaged and whatnot. Um, and yeah, I hit that point. I, I hit right in that little spot. And, you know, lucky, I guess. Uh, but what makes it lucky is that I'm still here. Mm-hmm. I'm still working, you know, so obviously it was more than luck. Yeah. But um, it's really, really nice to walk into a show and not be the only one. Doesn't happen as much in LA, but I love, that's part of the reason why I love being here in New York is that, you know, 
you got you got the color like mm-hmm. it's it's just like and it's all different shades and it's it's beautiful and everybody's bringing a whole different you know thing like none of us are the same you know um we all have a different flavor and it's just it's so beautiful and i love the producers that you know book beyond one you know mm-hmm. what i mean even mm-hmm. if it's and I, i i don't know if it's conscious you know what i mean i think it's just like these are great performers and they play well at this venue and that's great You know, thank you for knowing your venues, and thank you for knowing your audience, and mm-hmm. for bringing it. Like it's just, mwah, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, part of the reason why that, that, that doesn't happen in LA is just numbers. Yeah. You know, and the numbers are growing. Yay! Hallelujah. They are growing. Um, but yeah, you know, it's nine times out of ten, it's like, oh, yep, here I am. <laughs> <You know? laughs> here I am. Um, but you know, it's cool. I'm, 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 you know, I'm, I'm that in a lot of situations. So it's, it's not a big shock, Yeah. but, um, yeah, you know, but yeah, the burlesque world has changed a lot since, you know, Oh yeah. those first years, um, for better and for worse. Um, it's been interesting. You know, I, I, I try not to get, I don't get in on the message boards. I don't give a fuck about the Facebook shit. Like, I pop up when I need to pop up. When yeah. something's truly whack, I will pop up. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, I just observe, and um, I like to. I'm I'm more of a one-on-one conversation kind of person. Mm-hmm. If I have an issue with something that's going on, I will go to that person and discuss it with them versus blowing their asses up on Facebook. How adult of you. You know, I know. <laughs> um, yeah, or like creating a, a, a group to rant or, you know what I mean? Like, I really, that doesn't, that doesn't fix anything. I, my parents were Black Panthers, you know what I mean? Like, you, it's boots on the ground. It's going to people. That's how you start a revolution. That's how you fix things. That's how you make progress it's not via facebook posts (laughs) you know what i mean like it just it frustrates me to no end um but yeah you know um and i'm i you know i'm personally i'm I'm a very opinionated person and um (laughs) those people that know me know that i am prone to talk a bit of shit but um i've managed to pretty much meander through this without pissing too many people off and, yeah. and keeping a pretty, you know, professional Well, I was just about to say that's air. a key word because you are a professional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you work yeah. on, you you fry much bigger fish on a daily basis. Yeah, yeah. You know, it is not worth yeah. freaking out about. You know, again, I, I commend you for showing up when it's important, Yeah. but I, and I equally commend you for, you know, yeah. not... Yeah, I just, I, I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it because it doesn't change anything. If it changed something, I would be all for it. But it, it just, it, it doesn't. It, and you know, yes, people need to vent and people need to express and that's beautiful and that needs to happen. And then what? Now what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. What's next? How do we change this so that it doesn't happen again? You know, um, that's that's where I'm interested at. You know, um, I'm all you know. I, I love a good rant. If you need to rant, like I have my people that I will rant to. You know, um, and then after I'm done with my rant, it's like, okay, well, a, am I annoyed by this enough to change it? Mm-hmm. 
And if yes, then move to B, how are you going to change it? Mm. So, yeah. That's just like, that's how I like to operate. I, you know, I, I, my I college years. I and straightforward. Yeah, my that's, college years, I spent a lot of time being angry about mm. just stuff. You know what I mean? And I got an ulcer to show for it. And it's just not worth it. Totally. You know? It's not worth it. If it affects my money, then yes, we'll have a chat. But, um, you know, it just, yeah, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not, I'm not just gonna pontificate about bullshit. I got work to do. <laughs> you know? I, mean, I couldn't say it better myself. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't sit in an office where I can pontificate for hours on somebody else's dime. Like, I just don't, I don't. I don't have that luxury. I, I got to keep moving. I have places to go. I have to be, you know, anywhere from 10 to 12 places a day. So it's like I, I got Christ. things to do. My God. You yeah. are a busy woman. <laughs> that is full on. That is full on. Now, um, speaking of being busy, wow, we've been... I'm We've, been like, We've been busy. We've been busy. We've been busy. I do want to ask you one last question before yes. we wrap it up, um, and that is something that's very near and dear to my heart, which is you travel with your cat. I do. And I, <laughs> I think I just I told you this before we started recording. I don't know anybody who travels with their cat. <laughs> I mean, how how do you travel with him? I mean, he's clearly a very well. Yes. Uh, you know, he's well-adjusted to traveling. Yes. He's a special little guy. He's definitely a special little guy. I don't know. I'm, I'm you know, I'm not, I don't have that much more time with him. Mm -hmm. um, he is sick. Um, and I don't know if I, I'll probably get another cat. Um, I, I'm just going to have to convince this cat that it can do it as well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like this is, this is what we do around here. Because mm -hmm. um, that's basically what I did with him. You know, I haven't had, he was a year old when I got him, so it wasn't like I could have trained him to do or anything. Right. He just figured out really fast that she's the one with the thumbs that I like, and <laughs> if I want to hang out with her, I'm going to have to figure out some shit. And he he figured it out really fast. And I don't sedate him or anything like that. Like, I've never had to do that. Um, you know, he's, he's my carry-on luggage, which is a pain in the ass because I do have other things I need to carry on other than a fucking cat. Um, and he is $100 a pop. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes that's just like $30 less than my ticket. You know what I mean? Oh, my um, God. But, and, and kitty litter is heavy in a suitcase, so. You oh have some gosh. kitty litter with some sequins and oh like. God, so you travel with box litter food. Yeah, yeah, just in case. I mean, I ship most of my stuff. Like, you know, like when I'm going to be someplace, if I'm in New York for a couple of months, I do a huge UPS shipment. But on the plane, I got to make sure I have, you know, right when we land, he has a travel litter box and there has to be some litter for it. Um, and then, you know, at least a couple of cans of food in case I can't run out and get food as soon as I get there, like if I have a gig or something like that. So yeah, you know, he has his things and, you know, he has his brush and we got to bring some toys and like, wow, <laughs> you are an amazing cat mom. <laughs> what would, would you, what advice would you offer anybody who would like to emulate the same thing and travel with their cat? Like we were, you were talking earlier about the hotel chain. Yeah. Um, Kipton Hotels allows cats. So if you're hotel bound, Kipton Hotels, they're all over the country and they're amazing boutique hotels. They're like four or five star hotels. So like they're wow. quality hotels and they provide kitty litter boxes and the whole nine. Oh my God. Um, yeah. I mean, I think just make sure your cat's down for it because not all cats are down for it. 
Like, if you're having to sedate your cat, your cat's not down for it, you know. Um, the most sedation, quote-unquote, I give him is I'll give him a couple of the calming treats. Yeah. You know, which I don't know really calm them or anything. It's mainly mm-hmm. just something to eat. Um, yeah, I mean, you just you got to, I mean, cats are just like people, you know. Some of them are down for stuff and some of them are not. And he's very chill, you know. He's, he's that's that's my road dog, you know. And, mm. and you know, bless his heart. He's been with me for, he's been with me for 15 years. He's 16. Wow. Um, and like I said, he's, he's, you know, we'll probably get back to L.A. And then, you know, he'll probably be like, peace. Mm. Um, but it's it's been amazing. And it's just, it's so, it's nice to have him with me, you of know. Of course, my God. Um. So, yeah. So. Ugh. So he'll be missed. <laughs> he'll definitely yeah. be missed. But yeah, but he's not. He ain't dead yet. He no, made that very God. clear. <laughs> he made that very clear. May he surprise you with how long he lived. I hope so. I hope so. Mr. Gucci. Yeah, Mr. Gucci. Gucci Lacroix. <laughs> Gucci Aloysius. Oh. <laughs> That sounds yes. like, a, a, like a new Mary Poppins song. <laughs> He's a very fancy cat. But yeah, people are, yeah, if you want to be the most interesting person in the room, pull out a cat at TSA. Like, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> people are like, you have a cat. It's like, I do? Oh, my God. Oh, where did this come from? <laughs> what? <laughs> wow. Oh, my God, you have a cat. Is he drugged? No, he's not drugged. How do you have a cat? It's in my two hands. Okay. <laughs> That's how I have a motherfucking cat. Like, come on. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Pull out a cat at TSA and you'll be everybody's friend. And and the TSA agents are hilarious. I like, I realized after the first time traveling with them, I'm like, I could smuggle anything traveling with this cat because fools will straight up leave the security screen and be like, oh, what kind of cat is that? You got a white panther? What's going on? I was like, Meanwhile, shit's just going through, and there's just nobody's paying attention. Wow. Everybody's like, it's a kitty cat. <laughs> like, <laughs> Nature's top distraction. You know what I mean? <laughs> wow. That is incredible. It's hilarious. <laughs> Gucci, my God, the world's best traveled cat. Yes, yes. impressive. <laughs> Oh my lord! Well, I don't, yeah. I don't want this conversation to end, but I think I'm just gonna. What's gonna have to happen is I'm just gonna have to interview again. Well, that can happen next time you come to New York. When Absolutely. I'm in LA next, this yes. has been so awesome. Thank I you. Just, oh, such a good conversation. <laughs> if people want to find out more about you, mm-hmm. where can they go? Uh, LuxLacroix.com is the best place to go. Yes, okay. yes. And I guess I should mention a couple of things that uh, we have going on. Um, yeah, I'm yes, teaming, please. Yes, Holy shit. I know, I should promote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the worst at self-promotion. It's like when people find out like what I actually do, it's like it comes out in layers, you know, and like I never be like, hi, I'm Lux, this is what I do, I'm amazing. I'm amazing. Um, <laughs> like, you know, people will come back and be like, oh my God, like, yeah, whatever, you know, it's, it's just life. But, um, since I'm launching business, I guess I should promote myself and Diamondback Annie, who is an amazing performer based out of LA. And she, her and Juliette Les Muse made me realize I could do burlesque because when you first hear burlesque, you, you, you automatically, I mean, especially in LA, it's like Dita. It's like, mm, not that. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I will never be that. Mm-hmm. I don't have the patience to be that. I don't give a fuck about that. Um, and then, uh, I saw Juliet Atlas Muse, and then I saw Diamondback Annie, and I was like, I have patience for that. Yes. Those are my people. That's my tribe. Yes. Um, and then I've been lucky enough to work with Diamondback Annie a lot, 
and become friends with her. And she's an amazing human being. And we're very much like connected. And we're a good team. And、uh, she's my body twin, which is hilarious、um, to the point where that, her mother saw a video of me and her being Prince Poppycock's backup dancers. And we have the same wig and we're seeing the costume, whatever. And her mom's like, That's great. Which one are you? Okay. Wow. <laughs> wow. So I like to call us the racially ambiguous duo. That's, that's what we are. <laughs> So, we're launching a couple of things、um, starting in April. The third Monday of the Monday Night Teas will be produced by us. Amazing. So, we'll be switching some things up, probably be a little more vaudeville, a little more, you know, not just straight burlesque, some performances, some bands, some drag queens, just a whole cornucopia of stuff, you know, spice it up a little bit. So, that starts in April. And then in May, we are launching Burlesque U. Dot com, which, is, which will be the premier online resource for burlesque education. Wow!、Woo! So cool. So that anybody anywhere in the world can go to burlesqueu.com, watch a free two to three minute video taught by one of the top burlesque educators in the world, including Lex Malone. Thanks, thanks, thanks. <laughs>、um, and learn about stuff like costuming and settings and Tech and how to do lights and how to edit music and how to write up a contract and how to do a flip over a chair. You can find out all this stuff on burlesqueu.com. And then, if you wish to find out more from your educator, you'll be routed to their site where they'll offer things like, you know, full hour long videos or maybe private instruction via Skype. Or maybe Ustreams, like we're, we're launching it so that people have a place to learn burlesque. Because right now, there's people, you know, we got New York, LA, we're so spoiled. We can do anything in those two cities. And I personally don't deal with the middle of the country, but I know there are people there. <laughs> <laughs> and those people like burlesque. And they're learning by watching all of us. Do our performances, which is amazing and that's great. But I know they also want more. I know they、mm-hmm. want to know how we do things、mm-hmm. and they want to know how to develop their own persona because、mm-hmm. nobody wants to be a common carpy of somebody else.、Mm-hmm. So we want to help that. We want to help facilitate that. And we want to give people a place to go by people who are actually doing burlesque. Because if you YouTube, Google burlesque, you get like makeup tips from some girl in Japan. Like it's just, it's not burlesque, you know what I mean? So, we want to find, not that makeup tests from some girl in Japan aren't valuable. It's just, it's not, it's not what you're looking for.、Um, so, we want to find one place where everybody can go at any hour of the day, on your phone, while you're on the subway. I guess you know subways in the middle of the country, but whatever you're riding your horse. And, like, <laughs> you can figure it out in your tribes. And, like, <laughs> does this、fan. buggy have Wi Fi? You know. <laughs> I don't know how you people do it.、Um, I'm not a fan of towns. That's a whole nother discussion. But anyway,、um, anybody, any town, God bless you.、Um, you can go to burlesqueu.com and you can learn burlesque and you can, you know, collect ideas and develop your own burlesque persona and be your own performer and create your own character and learn from quality instructors that you, you may not be able to come to BurleyCon, you know, going to Seattle in the middle of November may not be in financially viable for you, but sitting at home,、uh, you know, at your computer, learning a couple tricks from Indigo Blue is going to make your day. 
You know what I mean? And we're starting in May. We're going to launch in May. I'm not exactly sure of the date. We'll be sure to let people know. You will mm -hmm. be hearing about this. Uh, we're going to start with new videos every two weeks. And then as we get more videos from our contributors, it will be weekly. So there'll so be a exciting. ton of collection. We're going to get this huge archive, this huge library, so that people at any time, anywhere, can log on to BrillaShoe.com and get educated. Because that's, that's how we're going to survive all of this, is through education. That's how all revolutions, that's how all art forms survive, is through education. So get yourself educated. Know what you're getting into. Get some skills. And get yourself a career. Burlesque.com. <laughs> amazing. And I'm definitely looking for I'm so thrilled that you guys asked me to be one of the of many contributors. So of I'm course. super excited about that. And I just think it's so exciting to take that. I, I absolutely agree with everything you just said about education. It is crucial. I mean, it's actually one of the biggest issues facing our country right now. Yeah. Yeah. But bringing it into, you know, the, uh, the, the, the very relatively small world of burlesque, I think it's essential. And it's really powerful because anybody in the world yeah. can then access it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because there is burlesque all over the world. Yeah. You know, and, and these people are learning via the internet because that's all there is. And that's amazing. That's, that's the good part of the internet. Yeah. That's why we don't want to burn it up in flames. <laughs> um, so that is the good part of the internet, but we got We got to give them something. Yeah. We got to give them something. So that's, that's what we plan to do. Wow. Well, I, <laughs> I I wish you success. I wish you excellent fortune. I wish you like everything that you guys are working so hard for to come true in the best, most fabulous way possible. Because Thank I think you. you guys have worked so hard on it, and I just you guys deserve to knock it out of the park. And thank you so for feeding hoping. the community. You know. That's yeah. You know, I mean, the community is, has done a lot for us. So this is how we give back. Totally. Well, I, I acknowledge that and I thank you for it. Thank you. Um, I just, I adore you, Lux. Thank you oh, so much for <laughs> coming on out to Brooklyn. Give Mr. Gucci a huge hug I for me. Will. Podcast listeners, please do send uh, Mr. Gucci Aloysius. Lots of good vibes. Lots of good love, <laughs> especially if you're a pet owner. You know what it's like when a pet gets sick. Yeah. Um, or unfortunately towards the end of its life. Because yeah. all good things must end. In yeah, it's true. Pet's tenure. I'll just, I'll get him in some other form. He's I, literally, I've had the same animal from when I had a hermit crab to a rat. Now it's a cat. Like, it's just, I just keep getting the same animal. So hot, I, you know, hot I, pig is next. Exactly. <laughs> I know, I know he's, we're coming back around, so, yeah. you know, but right now we're here together. So it's awesome. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much, Lux. Thank you. And there you have it, folks. My incredible interview with the one and only Lux Lacroix. If you want to find out more about Lux, you can go check her out on her website, luxlacroix.com. That's spelled L-U-X-L-A-C-R-O-I-X.com. And by all means, go check out burlesqueu.com. You'll be seeing some content from me, as well as some of the sparkling stars of the burlesque community teaching everybody what they love to do. Thanks again for tuning in today, guys. And do please feel free to go to iTunes. If you are subscribed to us, if you listen to us on the regular, please leave us a rating and review. We would be so, so, so grateful. Thank you guys so much, and I look forward to bringing you all a fresh new episode this time next week. Take care, everyone. Be sweet to you. Bye.